Welcome to The Howler. Your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Chris Lehman and Drew Blevins. Hi there, everybody, and welcome back to The Howler, Wolfpack Sports Television's weekly podcast. It's been a long time since we were last with you. In fact, we haven't even gotten to discuss things like the Belt Bowl, a lot about the men's basketball team since they began ACC play. As always, I'm Drew Blevins. Chris Lehman will be alongside with us shortly. And of course, as always, we have a guest with us, and that is Aaliyah Singleton of the NC State rugby team, the women's rugby team, that is. They're getting ready for their major league tilt against the UNC Tar Heels. Aaliyah, thanks for taking the time to be here with us. Yeah, no problem. Nice to be here. So first of all, I mean, a lot of people don't know about rugby because it is a club sport, but can you explain a little bit about it and what the appeal is to having a rugby team here at State? Okay. Well, rugby in its most basic form is equivalent to almost taking all of the different sports that you can have uh, for, you know, women, basketball, uh, soccer, track, taking the most basic forms of these and putting them all together. Oh, and add in football and maybe a tad bit of tackling and you've got rugby. So it's a little bit different. Um, It's bigger. It's a little bit bigger on a more international scale. So for us, it's a little bit weird. Like we have to compare it to football to even, you know, grasp what we're talking about. Um, so it is a little bit different. Um, but basically how you play it is there's two different sides, um, 15 people on each side of a field and you are tackling and, uh, you know, kicking a ball back and forth, throwing a ball if you will. Um, your main goal is to put the ball down into the end zone or try zone as we call it um, and to score. So this is a pretty good club sport. You are coming off of a win against UNCW. Yep. North Carolina, your opponent, also coming off of a win. Can mm-hmm. you tell us how the team's been doing this year? Well, this year our team has been doing pretty well. Um, we faced um, quite a bit of adversity um, early on. Um, we've had quite a bit of turnover. Um, from some of our more senior players, of course. Um, And in addition to that, we've been hit pretty hard with players who, of course, want to study abroad, um, distance learning programs. Um, And, of course, these are great opportunities for our students, and so we're not going to, you know, keep them, not hold them back or anything like that. Um, But on a team level, we've, you know, really asked our rookies this year to step it up, our vets as well, um, and to kind of assume these new roles of leadership, um, both on the field and off the field. And so I think it's really, we're really seeing the benefits of that now. Um, You know, we're a very try-hungry team. You know, now we're able to score points, not just from one person or two people, but from numerous people. In our last game against UNCW, we won 84-5, to not by, you know, just a few people scoring, but by seven different people scoring. Um, And so that's definitely a testament to not only the players themselves learning how to, you know, work with each other, um, um, how to share the ball and those responsibilities, but also to the coaches for teaching us, you know, how to finish um, and making sure that we extend plays for as long as possible. It's Drew Blevins with the Howler alongside Aaliyah Singleton from the women's rugby team. Aaliyah, you read off those score lines, and there have been some very impressive scores, but how exactly does the scoring work in rugby? It is such a foreign sport to a lot of the students here. Can you explain how that goes for us? Yeah, so the way that you score in rugby is there is what you call a back line. And so your back line is basically your offensive players. Um, And 
they pass the ball backwards to progress forwards. It's a little bit strange, but um, you're running down the field and you're trying to put the ball and touch it down into your scoring area. Um, it's kind of like getting a touchdown in football, except you actually have to put it, you have to touch the ball down. Um, we call that a try um, or a score, and that's for five points. And so you are trying to get as many tries as you can um, in the 80 minute time period that you have. Um, and you're trying to, of course, you know, beat the other team. And so it can be a little bit frustrating. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely a great experience. It's fun once you've played it and, you know, just watching a game, I would definitely encourage everybody to come see it because it's, it's something to watch. It's very interesting. And the last question with sort of the logistics of the game, mm -hmm. you look at some of these terms like a ruck and a scrum and all those things. Right. Can you sort of explain the major terms for everybody at home who's going to be watching the game come Saturday? Okay, so a ruck and a scrum actually both are, they're interesting things. They both look pretty similar. Um, a scrum occurs after a stoppage of play or after there was a penalty um, or violation that occurred. Say somebody accidentally hit the ball forward. Um, that's a penalty in rugby. And so what you would do is you would stop and the two teams would come together. They're larger players called the forward pack. They would come together and it looks almost like two bears kind of just bearing up against <laughs> each other and just fighting back and forth. Um, and you'll see one person will actually kick the ball from underneath everybody's legs. And that's how you restart the play. Whoever ends up with the ball um, from that kick will be the person who starts, that side who will start with the ball, um, and then will be on offense. And so that's a scrum. Um, a ruck, that is usually what happens after somebody is running with the ball and they go to the ground or they place the ball behind them or whatnot after being tackled. And so what happens then is two players, usually from each side, will then you try to get over the player so they can get to the ball. And when these two people meet, they then have to basically fight for the ball and they're trying to move the other person away from the ball as much as possible. Um, while their scrum half or their basically the quarterback of their side is trying to go underneath their legs and take the ball out so they can be on offense. Um, that's, that's a ruck. Um, line outs, line outs are another way that you restart play after there was a penalty or after the ball um, in particular has gone out of bounds or what we call out of touch. Um, and so what happens there is you will see two teams um, have one person who flies up into the air. They will literally jump into the air um, and they are held up there by like four people. <laughs> and so it looks pretty startling to look at. But what they're doing is those two people in the air are fighting for the ball. They're trying to, you know, move the other person's hand so then they can get the ball and bring it down so they can have the ball and have that in their possession. So, of course, you can be on offense again. Um, let me see. Any other major things? Oh, the back line and the forward pack. You'll hear, you'll probably hear me say that like a thousand times this time. Um, the forwards are usually your bigger players. Um, usually they do a lot of the tackling. They do a lot of the, you know, hard grunt work. And then your back line, those are more of your, your smaller players, your faster players typically. Um, they do a lot more of the try scoring and they get the nice things, you know, they don't get as rough <laughs> up as bad. Um, so it's usually pretty nice when you get to be a backliner. <laughs> so 
Now to get into the matchup here with North Carolina, I mean, obviously there's always a huge rivalry between NC State and North Carolina, mm -hmm. and it's tremendous at all levels for all sports, including club. But can you give us a little insight as to what the opponent is and how good Carolina is at this? All right. Well, um, North Carolina, of course, is going to be our biggest foe. Of course, they're going to be a little bit fast. They're going to be good because why else? They're the Tar Heels. But what we're really worried about, or the things that we per se have to worry about um, with this matchup will be, of course, their speed. Um, Chapel Hill has always had very fast backliners as well as uh, forward players who are larger and they can move you around. Um, and so when they really start to run, you know, you're going with them. These are very large women, so they will take you with them. Um, and so as of late, um, Chapel Hill has actually had a little bit of turnover in turn in terms of their speed, um, their number one player, um, their inside center, Nia Tapper, has actually gone on to the uh, national uh, level right now. And so um, with their back line, they're moving towards having their wings, their outside players who are really fast, a little bit smaller. Um, and as of late, their number 14, their wing, she's really come up strong. Um, and she's using her speed to get around the edge of defenses. And so that really can stretch a defense thin. So I think for us this week, um, the importance will be put on to um, staying in a flat defensive line, making sure that, you know, we don't leave any gaps in between us. Um, we stick our tackles and we make sure that they feel it. Um, in addition, you know, you want to make sure that Chapel Hill does not uh, pile it up on you because when they score it's almost like an avalanche effect. Once they find one weakness, it just keeps happening. And that's something that we don't want to get into trouble with. Um, you know, in the past, that's usually what happens, that we'll, get in a whole, we'll find ourselves, you know, just one down or one try down or two tries down. And eventually you'll find yourself in a much larger hole. And so what we're trying to do, we want to avoid that as much as possible by making sure that, again, we stay flat, that we force some turnovers on their part. Um, and that we take advantage of those. We win our rucks and we get out the ball as fast as we can, get them to our outside players who we know are fast, we know are physical, and we know we can take them on. So that's going to be our game plan. Um, in addition, we also have to worry about them poaching, which is, you know, taking the ball from underneath the rucks and stealing them from you whenever they can. It doesn't matter when. Um, and so that's something we definitely have to worry about. Um, we have to look forward to that. And I think definitely this week of practice will be integral in making sure that we can... Uh, uh, we know how to approach that situation. You're listening to The Howler, Drew Blevins, joined by Aaliyah Singleton of the NC State women's rugby team. Whenever you have a speedy team like North Carolina, mm -hmm. is your game plan to really try to tire them out? Let, not necessarily let them score, but be okay if they're getting points in the early going and try to fatigue them by laying your tackles and maybe trying to steal it at the end, or are you going to try to go ahead and score with them from the get-go? We're going to try to score... From the get-go, we want to start fast. We know that we can do that, and that's that's what we've been doing of late, and that's really helped us to make sure that you know we physically and mentally just exhaust the teams that we're going against. Um, because everybody knows once you start, you know, you start seeing that number change over and over and over again on the scoreboard it does start to wear on you mentally and physically. You're like, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. We're not even winning. So that's something we definitely want to keep um, track of. Um, 
And I think, you know, given some of the struggles that Carolina is going through um, right now in terms of right now they have issues with their depth, of course, because, you know, so many people are graduating. There's so much turnover with their players. Um, I think that we have a really good shot at winning at this time. This is probably one of the most uh, passionate and dedicated teams that I've seen, that I've been on personally. Um, and I've played near about five years, so that definitely says something to me. Um, these girls are hungry. They want this win. They don't just want to lay down to Chapel Hill and let them beat us again. Um, I think we're definitely going to put up a really good fight. This is going to be a really good, tough match. And I think it will probably end up being a little bit high scoring, surprisingly. I think it's going to come down to defense overall. Um, both of our wins last week came uh, pretty, pretty much blowouts. Um, and so I think it will definitely come down to being, you know, a defensive battle. And I think that's one that, you know, NC State has historically won. Historically won. When it comes to being about defense and being about the pack, we win. So I think that's definitely what this is going to turn into. And I think we have a really, really good shot at winning. If you had to pick out a couple of players who are your teammates who are going to have to step up against North Carolina, who's it going to be? I think, you know, in terms of X factors, I think um, – our flankers, which are um, some of our, what we call our loose forwards, they hang around with the pack players, um, and they are as fast as backs. They're not as big as a prop or as uh, the bigger forwards, but they're feisty. And I think what we're going to need those flankers to do um, is to tackle like crazy to make sure that Carolina does not have the chance to really get into a rhythm. We want to mess with their consistency. We want to make sure that we can force some turnovers. And if our flankers are on it, if they're coming off of their um, off the line as fast as they can, they're really causing havoc in the back line. There's no way that Carolina, with their new uh, fly half, with their new scrum half, uh, those are integral players again, um, there's no way that they're really going to be able to stop us. Um, and I think we could win there. Um, another key player will be coming from our uh, senior, our senior member, uh, Lainey McKnight. She is what we call our hooker, and she hooks the ball back during scrums. Um, that's why I call her the hooker. Um, and so um, it'll be really important for her to make sure that she can steal those balls away from Chapel Hill because that's really a momentum shift, especially in rugby, when you think that you have the ball and then for it to turn around on you so quickly and actually you don't and you're back on the defense, that'll definitely um, shake it up a little bit, keep them off rhythm again, um, and that'll keep igniting us, ignite our fans, and really get Chapel Hill in a really uncomfortable space, and that's something we want to do. We want to press that. Um, another important player that we're going to have to, you know, really, we really want to do well um, will be a rookie this year, Cassidy Ring. Um, our star inside center, she's actually, she'll be out for the next four games, three, four games. And so um, it'll be really important for Cassidy to step into this role um, and to take over, to bring the physicality, bring the strength that Chapel Hill knows will come from what would have been Sydney. Um, Cassie is going to need to embody that. She's going to need to find her inner Sydney Smith and make it happen. Um, and I think the backliners around her, I think, will definitely make sure that, you know, she she will be fine. I think that she's a great talent. I think she's really emerging um, into herself this year. And this might be a breakout game for her. I think so. Um, and lastly, the last X factors, I would say, would be the back three, which will be 
the people that Chapel Hill will really have to get around um, in order to score on us. So that will be our uh, two wings on the outside and then our fullback who will play further back behind us. Um, in order for Chapel Hill to beat us, they're going to need to run around us. And, you know, we have some big tacklers on, like, these ends. Um, we don't miss very often. And we're fast. We're quick. We've got quick hands. And so if they make a mistake, we're going to pick up the ball and we're going to run it the other direction. Um, that said, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take for us to really be focused in on each other, um, make sure that if somebody's up, somebody's making a tackle, that we swing and we make sure that we cover their spot. Um, it's going to be the three of us having to work together um, in addition to working with the rest of the team, but it's going to be down to the three of us making sure that nobody gets past us. And I think that that crew of like people will really be what stands out this game. If everybody on our team can just do what they have to do and these sectors step up to the point that we know that they can, I think there's no way Chapel Hill will be able to come into this game. And I, I think all NC State fans would love that, honestly. <laughs> I, I would just say that. <laughs> it's a bold prediction, but not one without merit. Oh, yeah. It's pretty bold, but eh, I'm all for it. <laughs> That's Aaliyah Singleton of the NC State women's rugby team. Aaliyah, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. You can catch Aaliyah and her team in action Saturday morning as they take on the North Carolina Tar Heels. We will have that live on Wolfpack Sports Television. Myself, alongside of Sam LaFell, will have the call for you. Well, coming up on the other side of this quiz, uh, excuse me, of this quick break, it'll be Chris Lehman and myself breaking down some of the other NC State sports, an undefeated wrestling team, a ranked swimming and diving team, preseason talk for softball and baseball, as well as a men's basketball team that's struggling and a women's team that is looking to make a little bit of history. That's all coming up on the other side. You're listening to Wolfpack Sports Television's productions of The Howler, giving you the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Hi there, everybody, and welcome back to The Howler. You just heard from Aaliyah Singleton, and again, we thank her for joining us from the women's rugby team. Again, you can catch them in action this Saturday as they will take on the North Carolina Tar Heels early in the morning, 11 a.m. start time for that one. Now we do have Chris Lehman back on air with us. Chris, it's been a long time since we've been on air, but finally we are back on recording another edition of The Howler. Yes, I'm glad that we're finally back to talk about some more NC State athletics. Should be a good one this week. Well, I'm actually going to defer to you now because we do have so many things to talk about. We've got men's and women's basketball. We've got wrestling. We've got swimming and diving. We've got cross country and track and field, believe it or not. And we've got a very hot hockey team right now. So where do we want to go ahead and start this one off? Uh, I see we start uh, on the lower end of the spectrum with men's basketball. That's been, <laughs> that's been a rough season, and I think to some extent it was expected when you look at who NC State lost last year, especially in Trevor Lacey, who was a big key to that offense. And Cat Barber, while he has filled those shoes, has left other shoes to be filled, and there's no one there, at least right now, to fill those, and that has been really a, a problem for the Wolfpack. Well, over the past five games, Cat Barber has three of them where he's gone for 30 points or more, which which is simply sensational. NC State's biggest win in conference play was an upset at number 15 Miami coming a couple of Saturdays ago, which was monumental for the program, but at the end of the day, right now, it just doesn't seem like enough. NC State is coming off of a loss against Duke, a loss against Florida State, and I mean, you look down that ACC schedule, and they have a couple of uncharacteristic ACC losses, especially for a Mark Godfrey team, and I think that's the most frustrating thing, is they're losing against opponents they really don't have any business losing to. Sure, you can say ranked Louisville is, again, 
game you expected to lose, and that's fair, but they were in that one. They were in the Florida State game at home. They lost to Wake Forest, which Winston-Salem just seems to be cursed ground for NC State athletics, and that's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, is this just not the team that Mark Gottfried wants? Is this a problem with coaching? Is this a personnel problem? Why is NC State so dismal this year? Well, I think it's mostly a personnel issue when you get down to it and take a look at it. Even though if you go back and look at the Duke game, you have a lot of big contributors, but that's about it. You have Cat Barber puts up 26, Maverick Rowan 17, uh, Abdul Malik Abu with 16, and then Cody Martin had 13. After that, you only have two other scores. BJ Anya put up six, and then you got one bucket from Caleb Martin. So you don't have enough contributors. When you look at that, do the quick math, NC State only has six guys that score in that game. You take a look at Duke. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. Almost twice as many scorers. And that makes it a lot harder to stop when you have more guys who are a bigger threat at the basket. And right now, I think that's part of the issue. Terry Henderson might be that answer, but whenever he gets back, we don't know what he's going to look like. He's been out for a long time. And not only that, he hasn't played for longer than just this season because he transferred in. So it's very questionable as to what we'll see out of him but it seems to me there's just one piece that seems to be missing to compliment Cat Barber. Yeah, and that's the tough thing is there really isn't anybody that you can go to to rectify that situation. And it's frustrating because last year there was some domination inside on the post, and that was Abdul Malik Abu and BJ Anya, especially on the defensive end. And this year it's been Abu and Abu and a little bit more boot because B.J. Anya just has not been there offensively, and he's never been known for his offense, but it seems that he's even grown to be even more lackluster than he was last year in the post. Leonard Freeman looks quite scared to shoot, and that's something that you didn't expect to see, but all of a sudden he's become very skittish when getting the basketball, and that's caused a lot of problems for NC State, especially offensively. I mean, Mark Godfrey has told me many times, he goes, when you're scoring 78 points, you should expect to win a basketball game. NC State is number one in the ACC on the offensive glass. That's domination. That's outstanding in a conference that's very hard to do that in. The problem is defense, and I think that does go back to your core of big men, and that's worrisome. How do you fix that going forward? Well, first of all, you mentioned Abdul Malik Abu, and I want to recognize the incredible performance he had on the glass against Duke. 17 rebounds. That was more points. He had 16 points. He had more rebounds than points, which is very impressive. But defensively, he's been... All right, he's done a good job down low, but the big problem, at least down low, to me is when B.J. Anya is in the game because he can be a block machine, and a lot of times we see him get two, three, sometimes four blocks in a game, maybe sometimes multiple blocks in a possession, but he's getting too greedy when it comes to the blocks. It was pointed out to me, and I hadn't really noticed, but now every time I watch him, if you see him inside, when the ball comes into the paint area, he is immediately jumping out, leaving his position where he is to get a rebound, and goes out, sometimes all the way out towards the three-point line, to try and get a block, and that leaves NC State very vulnerable down low, and that, I think, is a big reason that NC State is having trouble this year, and that's just a coaching thing. You have to coach him to stay within his position and maximize his effectiveness. NC State does get a little bit of a break after the loss against Duke 88-80. to Their next matchup will be a noon tip-off on Saturday from the PNC Arena against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Wake Forest beat NC State earlier in the year. 
And that was a really strange game because NC State, believe it or not, went down 16 and climbed all the way back to take the lead at one point. Granted, it was only by one point, but it just seemed like they were building stretches where they would score and they would score and they would score, but there was no big defensive stop. And I think that's been the key for NC State. The reason that they're not doing so well is because they are able to score their way back into basketball games at points. And then when they need a critical defensive stop, it's just not there. And is that going to be what we're going to see against Wake Forest? Is that going to be what we're going to see against Virginia and Clemson and even North Carolina, maybe even Boston College as we head down the stretch in this ACC schedule? Or does it stop? Is there a time where you have to really say, okay, the offense is there. We need to have a practice that is solely to work on the D. Well, earlier, a couple minutes ago, you mentioned that Leonard Freeman looks a little bit scared to shoot the ball. And I think that's not just a confidence issue for him. There's a confidence issue for this team. We mentioned that personnel-wise, seems it seems like NC State is lacking. They are also lacking very much in the confidence department. The way you've seen this team trend in the past, especially with Mark Gottfried, is that they continue to build, continue to grow their confidence all the way into the postseason, and that's why we've seen them do so well, especially last year, making the Sweet 16. That's not there this year. There are a lot of guys, I think, that are either scared to shoot or not confident when they shoot the ball, and that transitions to defense as well. I think there are a lot of guys who are scared to make a mistake, so they stay a little bit too conservative, and then you don't get that stop that you need. So now, as we stretch out a little bit further, it seems like the only chance for NC State to make the NCAA tournament is either win out and get at least one win in the ACC tournament or win the ACC tournament for that at-large bid. But looking through the realism window, is there any shot for NC State to make it into the postseason anywhere? Maybe the NIT. Honestly, for NC State, if I'm a player on that team, you shouldn't even be thinking about postseason. It should all just be about getting ready for next year because you have to look at it, and while you always, as an athlete and on a team in this situation, you want to stay positive, and you have to continue to do that to keep the motivation up, to keep the team morale there, and to continue to build. But if you're NC State, you also need to be a little bit realistic and say, hey, this probably isn't our year. Let's start building and focus on some of the other things that will help us be ready when next year comes around. And I think that's really where the focus needs to be right now. If you get a bid into the NCAA tournament by some miracle or the NIT tournament, that's a blessing. You get to go, have fun, enjoy the experience, and gain something from it. But Right now, I think you need to be looking to make gains in every game if you're NC State. The biggest issue with a lot of teams and a lot of players when they're struggling is they don't isolate the issues and address them. They try and take it on as a big picture thing, me against the world kind of thing, and it doesn't work out. Well, I'm just going to be blunt with you. I don't think there is any shot at a postseason run anywhere. If you look at the NCAA tournament compared to the NIT, I mean, those are supposedly the top 100 teams in the nation with a couple of uh, automatic bids sort of sprinkled in there based on conference tournament champions. NC State's not there. In my mind, they're not in the top 100. And you look, some some people have said, you know, maybe the College Basketball Insider Tournament, the CBI, that tournament is actually meant to showcase some of the mid-major teams. You might get an ACC team in there, and NC State right now statistically is just too low to even consider that. They're sitting somewhere between 13 and 14 in the ACC at any given week, and that's just not going to get it done for you. I think their best shot to make any type of postseason is making a run in the ACC tournament. And that's where I say, okay, it's great that you're going to have regular season games, but... 
treat those really as tests and preparatory opportunities for moving forward in toward the ACC tournament. And then maybe you look at making a run. I think if NC State's able to bump their way up to a 10 or 11 seed, give themselves you know, what could be considered an easy first-round matchup, then really prepare for that second round and maybe even a semifinal run. I think that's good for the Wolfpack. I don't think that they write themselves out of this tournament because the ACC this year is the most volatile conference in all of college basketball. North Carolina just suffered two back-to-back losses, including one against Notre Dame. And after Roy Williams collapsed last night, it was almost a loss against Boston College, which was a struggle. And BC is notorious for being the worst ACC basketball team in the world. Clemson's making a run. Virginia Tech has shown strides where they could be really good going down the stretch. You can't write off Virginia. I mean, there's so many teams that have so much potential to be able to win that tournament that you do wonder, is NC State one of them? Statistically, again, not in the mix right now, but not without hope. And I think that's what everybody's sort of clinging on to in Wolfpack Nation right now, is maybe there's a way you can get a conference championship under your belt in the tournament and then look at trying to do something between a 9 and 11 seed in the NCAA tournament should you make it. Again, that's a long way off. However, there is a basketball team that is doing excellently right now, and that would be the women's side of things. And granted, you're going to want to write off what has been a dismal week for NC State. They lost Sunday at Wake Forest in a poor shooting performance, one of the worst we've seen from this team. They get absolutely waxed at Notre Dame, but then again, there's nobody in this conference that's going to be able to compete with the Fighting Irish because they're right up there with the South Carolinas and the Yukons and the elite of the women's college basketball world. But look what else they're doing. They're beating ranked teams and teams that are receiving votes. They're only AC loss prior to this weekend was a loss against Miami and a loss against Louisville, and they really shouldn't have lost that Louisville game. They just sort of let it slide right through their fingers at the end, but they've taken down Virginia Tech, they've taken down Duke, they've taken down North Carolina, and that's tremendous. And you look at the core of young women that Wes Moore has on his team. You've got Schumacher and Ashley Williams, and you've got Dominique Wilson and Jennifer Mathurin, who, who are all just shooting machines. They've been excellent offensively. They've gotten back and played defense well to boot, and that's really equaled success right now for Wes Moore. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we've seen him be very good at from the get-go here at NC State is maximizing the potential of his team. He's very good at finding ways to use everybody in the right way to win these kinds of games, and that's one of the things that I think builds a successful team. And, you know, I've been calling games for Garner now, and they have a very successful head coach in Eddie Gray who just won a state championship. His biggest emphasis and the reason that they won that championship is because they had a complete team with a lot of different guys who can contribute. Any guy could be the guy who does it for them, and that's kind of what you have here at NC State. He has found a way to fit everyone into a system and use them to maximize their potential and make them a threat and allow them to flourish, and I think that's really the big thing. I think it's huge props to the way that Wes Moore has done this so far. Well, it's not only that, because everybody else is starting to take notice as well. He's pulling in a huge recruiting class next year with a lot of solid talent. And like you said, it's not like NC State has any individual all-star you could make the argument for Mathurin or Dominique Wilson. But the fact of the matter is, everybody fits. They're a cog in a wheel. And when that machine is moving, it's really something special to watch because anybody can do anything on any given night. And that's the exciting thing about watching this women's team. 
They will have the Hoops for Hope game at Broughton High School with a noon tip-off against Syracuse, Valentine's Day, February 14th. Uh, you can catch us there and more coverage of that game on our Wolfpack Sports Television's We Were There segment, which will be posted shortly after the game against Syracuse. And that really is exciting because NC State has historically done well. Syracuse is not a ranked opponent. They're not expected to do a whole lot. But this game has always been special because of the Yao legacy, and I mean, this was built up by Stephanie Glantz, and Wes Moore has continued on this tradition, and really, it's, it's been quite touching because even going across the way to Chapel Hill, Sylvia Hatchell has also been touched by breast cancer and, and the horrid disease that is cancer, but can you speak to how special that's going to be? Even though it's not at Reynolds Coliseum this year, it's still one of the best events in all of NC State athletics. Oh, absolutely, and one of the things, and do you see this in, in all sports, it's these kind of events that remind you what life is really about it's you know we get caught up in athletics sometimes you take the Super Bowl for example people have been yelling about the Super Bowl since it ended and you forget some of these things outside of it when you get kind of engrossed in sports and this is one of those events that allows you to step back and really take a second look at life and, and see what it's really about and take away the sports for a minute, and that always tends to be a special event, and I don't expect it to be anything different, regardless of the fact that it will be at Broughton High School this year. Indeed, it will be a special event, as it always is. But you do look down the rest of this women's basketball schedule, and the Wake Forest one is really a loss that you'd like to have turned into a victory, because that one really does hurt your resume a little bit. Well, you take a look, just real quick, take a look back Sunday, January 3rd. They played at Broughton High School against Wake Forest, and that was almost a third. 30-point victory. Regardless of where you are, if you win by 30 points, you've got to be able to beat that team again. Exactly, and and again, you have to go play in Winston-Salem, which is the bane of NC State Athletics' existence, it seems like. Congratulations to Coach Dave Dorn for sort of breaking that streak for football, but the basketball teams have not been so lucky. Wake Forest is really quite the enigma of women's college basketball. I was talking with uh, Dr. Ed Funkhauser, who's the PA voice of NC State women's basketball, and he said if you look down the Carolina roster, A, the biggest thing that contributed to the troubles they're having is their three best players transferred out of Carolina. I think everybody sort of saw the handwriting on the wall once the academic scandal broke and everybody wanted to get out of Dodge when they had the opportunity to before suffering any type of major penalty. The other thing is Wake Forest beat Carolina, and that's quite surprising because you never hear those words uttered when it comes to basketball on the men's or women's side, really. Or football, yeah. Exactly, and Wake Forest has been coming on strong. I mean, they're trying to make a run here, but as you said, a 30-point victory, and then you turn that over to a single-digit loss, that's a really tough one to swallow. How does NC State rebound from that, you ask? Well, they have another tough one coming up the next few weeks against the Florida State Seminoles, who are highly ranked. And you look at the rest of that schedule, you don't want to write any opponent off, especially when you're playing in the ACC, which is this beacon of light in collegiate basketball. But that Florida State game is looking bigger and bigger as you approach it. How important is it going to be for the Wolfpack to try to secure a victory there? Well, I think, first of all, you've got to win the, f the three games that lead into that, because that will certainly help you with your chances in winning that game. It helps that NC State's at home as well, so they don't have to make a trip down to Tallahassee, which is going to be one of your longer trips as an ACC team, so that will help 
help as well. But to me, the big thing is the three games before that because we just talked about the way the two games last week went. Notre Dame, you sort of expect it to go that way, though I still think the shooting and and some of the statistics you see in that game, it was 24 turnovers for the Wolfpack. They did not play well last week at all. And so I expect that they've had a couple of tough practices leading into this game tomorrow night against Boston College to have them ready for that. So I think the big thing here is bounce back from a bad week, get it rolling, and then who knows what's going to happen. We've seen NC State beat some pretty good teams this year in in teams like Duke. Louisville was a close one that you say they probably should have won, and I would agree with you there, but that's another team that was ranked. They've also played tightly against a a Florida team that has been pretty good this year as well. They've shown that they can play with teams like this. Now, it's a little bit different. You're playing a little bit more of a highly ranked team in Florida State, who's right around 10 right now. So it's going to be a difficult task, but it's not one that they can't do. And now we will put a mat on the hardwood, if you will, because we've been on the hardwood for quite some time. It is the gym sports season, after all. And now we're going to move on to talk about this NC State wrestling team who has just been special, to say the least, this year. I mean, you look up and down this roster, you can say as you get in toward the heavyweight positions, those higher weight classes in the 185 range, that's really NC State's only weakness. But, of course, it's not going to matter when you get to Nick Gwizdowski, who's on... I think the most insane winning streak in all of collegiate sports right now. I'm not even sure what he what he's at, but I can tell you it's something absolutely absurd. And you look at what this wrestling team has done since they've gotten into ACC play after the Pittsburgh duels. They took down number 17 Virginia 35-7 in a drubbing. They took down number 14 North Carolina 28-8 at home. They took down number 16 Pittsburgh 28-6. They beat West Virginia in Morgantown 24-9. And then they had to play number 11, Nebraska. And I really like the headline that GoPack.com had out, which was NC State toughs out a victory. And that's really exactly what they had to do. Lincoln, Nebraska is, again, one of those Midwestern places that has a propensity for doing really well in wrestling. And they came out and they really gave NC State all they could handle. And you did get to worry because... They had a little bit more competition toward the lighter end of the scale, down toward Sean Fowles, who is ranked right now number 23, but he had only been 2-3 and three leading into that Nebraska matchup against other ranked opponents. NC State only gets the win 19-15. to 15. That's only a match difference. And, of course, when you have the ultimate closer in Nick Wisdowski, you're confident when you ha- head into that heavyweight matchup and you've got such ace in the hole right there. But is NC State starting to show a little bit of weakness? Because by no means is this an easy finish to the schedule because now they have to go and play number eight Virginia Tech. That one is at home in the whole Hauser building. They'll finish up the regular season against number five Missouri before heading off to national duels in the ACC, uh, excuse me, ACC championship. So it's a tough finish to the schedule. Does NC State get the job done and finish undefeated? Well, that that's a question that's very, very hard to answer. You say, are they showing weakness? I don't think you can say this team is necessarily showing weakness, maybe fatigue. When you look down this schedule and the teams that they have gone up against, it has not been an easy task. This will be the second time that they have gone against three ranked opponents in a row with Nebraska, Virginia Tech, and Missouri. Before that, it was Virginia, North Carolina, and Pittsburgh. Now, those teams were all ranked in the teens when NC State 
was in their dual meets against those teams. But these teams are a little bit better. Nebraska's 11, but it progressively gets better. Virginia Tech is number 8, and Missouri is number 5. I would not be surprised if they end up losing one of these matches, but I also don't know the parity of the wrestling of the wrestling community either. So it's tough for me to be able to tell how big of a talent difference there is between these teams. Obviously, they are all very good being nationally ranked near the top 10 with Nebraska and the other three in the top 10. So it should be good dual meets. I'm just not sure how close it's going to be and whether or not NC State comes away with it. I'm going to say based on the way that they have performed all year, I would expect them to beat Virginia Tech. The match against Missouri, that one's going to be a little bit tougher. You're going to be a little bit more tired. That's only two days after the meet with Virginia Tech. That's the one, if they're going to lose, I would expect them to lose. I totally agree with you. I think Virginia Tech is going to have a very tough time winning in Raleigh especially when you think of it as sort of the last couple of times you're well, going to get to Well, NC State has also got a huge following now. There is actually an announcement made encouraging fans to arrive early for the Virginia it, Tech match. It was match. ridiculous. I went to the Carolina match, and granted that is the rivalry matchup, but the crowd that shows up for NC State wrestling, a non-revenue sport, a sport that charges no admission, and it was an absolutely packed Dorton Arena, and I think that's great for this team. But when you look at Missouri and you look at some of NC State's wrestlers that could potentially be weak links. I really like Sean Fowles. I think is the lightweight wrestler. I think that he could do very, very well. He's only a freshman. He's got a lot of time to build. But I look at guys going up and higher and higher in weight class, guys like Tommy Gant, who has been good, not great. Kevin Jack is of absolutely no concern. He's going to be able to hold his own. Pete Renda was not necessarily impressive when I saw him. I mean, as, and um, who was the other one? Michael Boykin, as you get right before the heavyweight matchup. Those two guys especially, those guys are starting to worry me a little bit. I think they're good wrestlers, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to hold up against the stiff competition as you go further and further ahead. Of course, Nick Gwizdowski... I think individually is going to do something special, but when it comes down to especially Missouri, you might be asking him to do one of the most difficult things, and that's win by fall. Get a pin on somebody. If not, make sure you're winning by a technical fall, or at least a major decision, so you're really starting to rack up your team score as well. Nonetheless, this is easily the most exciting team that we've had in NC State athletics at the Division One level all year long, and that's something special to see. Yeah, and any time that you win at least 21 matches in one season without losing mind you it's very impressive and they are a very very good squad I think and it'll be exciting to see what they do once they get into you your other tournaments like your national championships and your ACC championships yeah and again, Pat Papalizio has really done a great job just starting to build this program really from the ground up. NC State's never been poor in the wrestling department, but they haven't been great either. And now that they're consistently being ranked, it's interesting to see what's going to happen as they continue to move further and further along. Another team that has been doing well a little bit of a cold streak, but nonetheless, they have done the best they possibly can, is NC State swimming and diving. And that's always exciting to see when you've got another non-revenue sport that continues to be impressive. And you look, they're taking down victories, especially against the ACC opponents that they've had to face. So most recently, you're looking at wins against number 19, North Carolina, and against number 21, Virginia, on both the men's 
and the women's side, which is always impressive to see. I mean, we we had talked to Yahia Radman on here earlier in the year, going back to the first semester, and he was excited to see what these te- this team could do. But all of a sudden now, they're starting to jump into the rankings and they're starting to get into the conversation for NCAA tournament time when they're going to have to be going against swimmers and divers from Texas and Stanford and California. And really the outlier in that conversation is NC State, but they're very legitimate competitors. Yes, and you you, you mentioned here Radman uh, coming in and talking to us and his energy. And I think that's one of the things that's helping this, this squad is – not just him, but the entire coaching staff has that energy. It's you. You want to hearken it back to the days of Jim Valvano. The reason he was such a great coach is he brought that energy. He was an inspiration, and that was a big part of what made him a great coach. And that's a, one of the things that can be help a coach be very successful. And I think that's what you're seeing here. You're seeing a lot of energy from this team, and there's a lot of potential, and we're starting to see results, and I think that is very encouraging for them. Well, what's really special about this is since North uh, North Carolina State lost to number one Texas at the Casey Aquatic Center in Raleigh, since then in dual meets, get this, they took down Florida International, big win, Kansas, win. Florida Gulf Coast, win. Liberty, win. Central Connecticut State, win. Their dual meet performance since then has been absolutely tremendous. And they were supposed to dive and swim, uh, excuse me, dive only against Clemson, dive and swim against Virginia. That was canceled due to Nor'easter Jonas that came through and ended up snowing out a lot of athletic plans. But coming up next for NC State is going to be the ACC championships for men's and women's diving. That's going to be exciting to see. Following that's the swimming championship and then you head into the Zone B championships and the swimming championships once again. I mean, it's championship season in the swimming pool right now. What do you expect NC State to do? Oh, it'll be interesting to see how they finish out the season. I'm sure they're certainly getting ready for it now, but there are a lot of good swim swim teams in this conference, so it's going to be tough. They're still building, but I expect a strong showing. You look at the the uh, male swimmer of the week this week is John Burkett from NC State. He picked up a qualifying time for those B regionals, so you're starting to see some of those things come together, and I think it'll be interesting to see how they do. I expect a pretty strong showing. We have about 10 minutes left here on the Howard, so we're going to do a little bit of rapid fire before we finish up our roundup in winter sports, which will be NC State hockey. I do want to ask you a couple of questions about NC State football. I mean, that seems to be right now the revenue sport that's really driving NC State athletics. Dave Dorn has a really competitive schedule. He got a great recruiting class over signing day, though, ranked in the top 50 nationally, which is absolutely outstanding. Headlined, of course, by tight end Thaddeus Moss, the son of Randy Moss. NC State also announced that on their schedule they have made an amendation. Their opening matchup against the William & Mary Tribe will not be on Saturday, uh, September 3rd. Instead, it will be on Thursday night, September 1st in Carter-Finley Stadium. Time to be announced. That should be a twilight kickoff around 6 or 7 p.m. Most likely that will be an ESPN televised game as well, just because of the time they've moved it to. But then after you head off against William & Mary, you've got to head down to the Pirate ship and face off against the East Carolina Pirates, which is a team that absolutely waxed Dave 
Doran in his first year here. Granted, that was not the greatest of football teams the Wolfpack have ever put together. But, Chris, what are your thoughts on what's going to go on on the gridiron this year? It's a good recruiting class. Possibly a few freshmen are going to be able to compete for starting spots. And it's a compelling schedule to boot. Well, I'll have to tell you I'm jealous that you will still be here next year as a student and I will be graduating (laughs) in the spring because I do very much like this schedule because you have some big games at home in Florida State and Notre Dame. Not only that, but the Notre Dame game is going to be the 50th anniversary celebration of Carter Finley. That'll be a great event. So there are a lot of really cool things surrounding this football team, and it should be a pretty special year. It'll be interesting to see what happens now with Brissett gone. Uh, you always wonder what, what is going to happen with when you lose a quarterback, so that's a key issue to look at. But the thing for me, the big determinant is going to be that game at East Carolina. William and Mary at home, that first game every year, I think everybody knows NC State's expected to win that game by 35 Yeah, they were also so. expected to beat William and Mary in basketball this year too, though. Uh, that's, a, that's a little bit different. I think William and Mary's <laughs> much better at basketball. We'll see how they turn out on the football field. But I think the big determinant is going to be that ECU game because that is a big game. It's on the road, but you're going to get a lot of support because you're only about an hour and a half from home and everyone who roots for NC State likes to root against ECU as well. So you're going to have some support. It's going to be a big game. Now, there's some questions with ECU as well now that Ruffin McNeil is gone. So this could be a weaker ECU team, but we've seen it in the past. If they're playing a Duke or an NC State or a North Carolina, they feel that they have to prove themselves. recently they've garnered no greater pleasure than beating up on North Carolina. And even against NC State, recently while NC State has the all-time record, ECU has the recent record to their name. And they've won a couple in overtime. They've stole some at Carter. I mean, really, this has been an Achilles heel opponent for NC State, and that's disappointing. As I look down the schedule, you mentioned the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame most likely going to find a way to be ranked. Brian Kelly's got a great thing going down there in Irish country. But I look at the penultimate game of the season. Senior Day will be against the Miami Hurricanes and Brad Kaya coming to town. That's a very interesting football game as you look at it because that's your crossover into the Coastal Division. That could have some major statistical implications because NC State recently has struggled against their Coastal crossover opponents, and that's even including North Carolina. By the way, that UNC game this year, Friday night prime time on ESPN, from Keenan Stadium, but those last couple of games could really be a dictator of how the rest of the football season is going to go. It's unfortunate that we have to wait all the way to November to really see how that's going to bear out, but those could be two big wins right there on the board for you. Oh, yeah, and you bring up those four games. To me, that makes the la- the first eight games of the season that much more important that you come away with wins. William & Mary's a game that you should win. Old Dominion is a game you should win. Same with Wake Forest at home. Clemson on the road, always going to be tough. Same with Louisville on the road. Boston College, another game at home you should win. So they should have a pretty good record going into the last four games. At Syracuse is one that they can win. Florida State's always going to be strong. I believe they had the top recruiting class once again uh, for football this year. So they're going to be good, but you're at home. And sometimes that mojo works out just right for NC State, and they find a way to win. So there are plenty of games on the schedule that they can win. It's just a matter of whether or not they reach their full potential and Based on the track record, nothing against Dave Dorn because I think he's made some strides with this team, but I don't think he has quite reached the full potential of any of his rosters yet. Give me your prediction. Record, rank, bowl game. 
I'm not sure that NC State will be ranked. There's the potential. If they are, I would guess it would be somewhere between 20 and 25 at the end of the season. Record-wise, I think you look at Clemson and Louisville are games you should expect NC State to lose. You hope that they keep them close, but they're probably games NC State will lose. Florida State is a game that they could lose as well. So I would say a record between... Eight and four, nine and three would be a good season for NC State. I'm going eight and four, non-ranked, possibly a trip back to the Belk Bowl. Even I don't know if NC State is going to want to show their face in Charlotte after the beatdown they took against Mississippi State this year. But there was even some question: Was the Wolfpack worthy of going to that bowl game? But that's definitely far in the past, and we won't get into that discussion now. What we will talk about is the most successful sport on the club side, and this has just been quite the special team to watch. Of course, we're talking about Mike Gazillo and his NC State Wolfpack ice hockey team. The team right now stands with a record of 19-2, ranked 14th in the Southeast, back-to-back-to-back-to-back ACCHL regular season champions. They clinched that with a 14-1. Yes, that's right, sports fans. 14-1 drubbing of the High Point Panthers. Chris, it really was a bad weekend if your team nickname was the Panthers, was it not? Yeah. I, <laughs> thanks, thanks. But yeah, the, that was a bad weekend, and that game was over just about from the start. I believe the first goal came in the first minute of the game. 25 seconds in, exactly. First 30 seconds even. And they really never let off. We saw in the beginning of the second period, I think in the first five minutes, they put up another three goals. So that was a game that NC State just expected to roll. It was their senior night, so you want to get the win for the seniors. Every senior made the score sheet, too. That's real special. And that's, yeah, that's the other thing I think that they were looking to do, because they did expect to beat High Point. We watched them, after going down 3 nothing, score 11 straight and beat High Point in High Point 11-3. to So that was a game they expected to win, and I think it was good to see them get that win. It's a matter of what they're able to do in the postseason, because like you said, they've won three consecutive regular season titles four four four, and they have not yet come away with a ACCHL championship in the tournament in those four years so it's it's a tough one and there are some tough teams to play they should be able to make the finals but then there are a couple of teams that could give you some problems Georgetown and Virginia the two big ones that NC State will have to look out for but we'll see they've been a little bit off at times this season so they're going to have to be able to bring their best every night if they want to go as far as they possibly can when they reach postseason time. Well, and it's going to be exciting to see what this Wolfpack team can do as they head into the tournament. Their final regular season game will be on 88.1 WKNC Raleigh, live from the Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum Annex. Myself alongside Chris Lehman right here and Nick Sinopoli will be on air at 4.15 with a puck drop at 4.30 for the matinee game. NC State expected to beat Wake Forest, who has recently been on a little bit of a surge. They tied and beat the North Carolina Tar heels. Both of those were non-league counting games though, so Wake Forest is officially out of the tournament. Get this, NC State's opening round ACC tournament matchup will be against the Charlotte 49ers, which is a very intriguing matchup. Mike Gazzillo told us on Over the Boards just yesterday, excuse me, on Monday, pardon, 
that he liked this matchup because it could be a wake-up call. Charlotte is not a team to be overlooked because, get this, NC State absolutely demolished them in Raleigh by a final count of 12-2. Charlotte didn't have a hope or a prayer in that hockey game. But then the very next weekend, NC State turns around and heads down to the Queen City and only beats the Niners 8-7. This is a team that has historically played NC State very well, and it's scary for the Wolfpack. It's been a very long time since an 8-seed has beaten a 1-seed in this ACCHL Admirals Cup Tournament. Is Charlotte the team to do it? Because it certainly looks like they have the firepower to. As you look in their depth, they've got Philip Arnold. They've got, uh, who else do they have? They've got Thomas Gilmartin as well there. That's a good roster NC State's going to have to face. Yeah, and like you said, most of the time they play NC State very well. And like I said, there are times where NC State has come out and to some extent laid an egg in some of their games. I think the last one that you really saw that was against Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia Tech, one, is not a league game and two is a very good hockey team. NC State did not play well in that game at all. So you cannot do that. And you said it's been a long time since an eight has beaten a one in the ACCHL tournament. It almost happened last year. Well, I think both of us could agree that for the most part we were comfortable when NC State was up one to nothing and expected them to still win the game. But they only won that game one to nothing. And Navy rang it off two goalposts as well, which imagine if those had gone, and that would have been mayhem in Annapolis. Absolutely. And so it's a matter of whether NC State is able to come out and play their best. Now, this year, I think they're a little bit healthier, at least right now, than they usually are heading into the ACCHL tournament. Uh, but I don't think they all, I also don't think they necessarily play their best games. I think last year against North Carolina, that was a team that they could have beaten in the semifinals. And while North Carolina played a excellent game in that one and came out with a lot of energy from the start, NC State did not match that energy. And I think if they come out and do that and Charlotte comes out with the same kind of energy we saw from North Carolina, we could see a similar result around earlier. I totally agree. Charlotte's a very dangerous team, and as you look up and down right now, the tournament could yield some upsets. Virginia has to tangle with Georgetown, first of all, and that's been a matchup that has historically played well for both of those teams. Whoever wins that matchup typically goes on to at least make their way into the semifinals quite easily. Georgetown has been the champions three out of the last four years. It was North Carolina who upset them last year. Get this, the last time a number one seed won the ACCHL tournament was the Georgetown Hoyas back in 2012 when they beat Maryland. Before that is NC State's only Admirals Cup. They were regular season champions, and then they beat Maryland as well. You look up and down. I mean, that's really not a convincing statistic. And Mike Gazzillo has had a couple of teams that have had bench controversy. He's had the injury bug bite. And most of that's been because they have to go through Carolina and Duke late in the season. This year, you end it with High Point and Wake Forest. If this team is healthy, is this the team that gets the job done for Mike Gazzillo? Absolutely, I think so. When they play a complete game, I don't see anyone that can beat them. We've talked about Virginia and Georgetown being potential teams that keep it close and could be the teams to beat NC State. But you look at it, and while this was way back in uh, October, NC State beat Nor beat Virginia 7-3, to and then they beat Georgetown 8-5 to on back-to-back -back nights. So they certainly can do it. It's just a matter of, one, whether or not they're healthy or not, and two, whether or not they come out with the energy. And, of course, we will talk a whole lot more about the NC State hockey team on our next episode of The Howler when we will have ACCHL Commissioner Mike Wally as our special guest. We'll give you a little bit more.
more of a comprehensive preview. If you want to get a head start, go over and check out www.ncsuhockey.org. That's the official website of the team. Or acchockey.org, which will give you a whole rundown of what the tournament should look like right now. The opening round matchups, if everything holds true, barring a couple of major upsets. NC State will play Charlotte. That is in ink. It'll be Virginia against Georgetown, North Carolina against Elon, and George Washington against Duke. All of them intriguing matchups, but we'll get to that more next week. Chris, really not a whole lot of predictions this week in sports, just because we did have the Super Bowl, which was a tremendous football game to watch with a tremendous result for everybody who does not like the Carolina Panthers. But nonetheless, I'm going to steal a page out of your book from Pulse of the Pack. I'll give you a couple of people to give a shout-out to before we wrap this thing up. Well, I think I'm going to start with Burkett from from the men's swimming team getting ACC swimmer, male swimmer of the week. I think he's got to get one because he did have a great performance this week. And then also, just to the NC State hockey team overall, on what's not done yet, but has been a great regular season, one of the best that I've seen, and certainly sets them up for great potential in the postseason. I totally agree. NC State's hockey team, I mean, this might be the year. It might be. I don't know if it will be, but certainly good potential there. You can't forget the other implication this year that has been added. Exactly, which is going to be if NC State wins the ACCHL Admirals Cup, their season does not end in ACCHL play. They will be heading to regionals. Location yet to be announced. We'll have more information on that coming up when we do our ACCHL tournament preview show, which is expected to air next Monday day from right here inside of our office at the West Dunn Building. It'll be myself, Chris Lehman, and Nick Sinopoli doing the honors there. We're very excited about that coverage opportunity. Of course, all the games will be aired live from Main Street Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia. So, my shout-outs. A, I'm going to give one to Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos because I have been harping on this since the beginning of time. I may have been the biggest Broncos fan for a single day. I was decked out in orange, and I was very happy that the Carolina Panthers did not get their Super Bowl. Their only losses this year come to my dearly beloved Atlanta Falcons and the Denver Broncos. Nonetheless, what Carolina did this year may stand alone as the greatest season in all of Panthers football history, and that's still a very young franchise, only coming into existence in 1995, and there's not a whole lot to hang your head about if you're a Panther fan, because really, they energized the NFL in a year that looked like it was going to be marred with controversy, even going back to an overblown Deflategate scandal, a Tom Brady possible suspension, and a couple of questionable hits throughout the season. Do we know what a catch is? No, we still don't, but nonetheless... I'm not sure we ever will. No, well, Cam Newton and Jericho Contry and Josh Norman infused a whole... uh, Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis. I mean, really, if you want to find out who infused a lot of life into the NFL this year, just go look at the Carolina Panthers roster, because what they did for football was really something special. And if you are from North Carolina or if you are a Panthers fan, it is kind of unfortunate that they couldn't get the job done. But they've lost to one of the greatest quarterbacks ever and one of the greatest defenses in all of NFL history. Another person you have to give a shout-out to is number 30, Martin Brodeur, who just had his number retired for the New Jersey Devils last night at the Rock. Really a special night. Marty Brodeur has the all-time record in wins, 691 in shutouts, 125, played most of his his games with the New Jersey Devils where he 
accrued 688 career victories. His final three came with the St. Louis Blues back in last season. Really a special night there to one of my personal idols in the sport of hockey. Really a great night. I think it's fair to give a shout out to the NC State hockey team. Congratulations on another ACCHL regular season championship. And I do have to go back to the hardwood where we started this segment of the show at least where Cat Barber and Dominique Wilson, not this week but the week before, swept the ACC Player of the Week honors. Very special week for both of those young athletes and exciting to see that even though it has not been the greatest of year for NC State basketball that there are still some players who are shining a major light in red and white Chris that's going to wrap it up for our first show of the Howler stay tuned for next week's edition where we will have the Sheriff Mike Wally Commissioner of the ACCHL on air with us to talk about the upcoming tournament and a little bit more about potential growth in the ACCHL as a league the Clemson Tigers may be the newest edition. Chris, anything else you want to say? All right, well, that is going to wrap it up for us here at the Howler. For Chris Lehman, I'm Drew Blevins. You have just been given the state of Wolfpack Athletics. We hope you will join us next time. Thanks for listening to the Howler, a service of Wolfpack Sports Television. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu sports.